Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, here we are. We're in August. It's the long weekend. We are on our second time through the book of Proverbs. And man, the end of this book of Proverbs, if we're pulling from this week's reading, man, the end just has so many good little sections. I'm excited that we're going through twice because next month there's a few different things I want to hit. But this month specifically, I want to speak to our friendships. I want to speak to our relationships, the people in our life who make life better. Now, if you're here today watching, I want to hear from you. Do you see yourself more as an extrovert or an introvert? Put it in the chat. And if you're in a group of people, maybe you're in that group because you're an extrovert and you can just look around and say, you all know that I'm an extrovert. Maybe you're in a group of people because you're an introvert and this is your one time out this week. And so you really highly value those moments together. But regardless, why don't you tell the people in the room or tell us on the chat if you see yourself more as an extrovert or more as an introvert. This is always a funny conversation because there's people who I I think see themselves the wrong way. They're like, I'm more quiet, therefore I've been told I'm an introvert. But the truth is you get so energized when you can just quietly be around people. You might actually be an extrovert. Or you say, I I must be an extrovert because I'm loud. But then you get home exhausted after being out with people and being loud with people. Maybe maybe you're an introvert. It's a funny uh, funny little bit of like self-awareness to know what really works. But I think regardless of whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, you need to know this. Friendships matter. Relationships are so important. And you're like, yeah, Pastor Justin, I get it. Of course, friendships matter. But no, no, I think it needs to be said. And we need to understand not only for our sake, but for people who uh, function differently or who, who like different things make them tick. Friendships and relationships matter to everyone. They're vitally important to all of us. They are what makes life rich and full and vibrant and vivid and alive. And so whether or not you have a big group of friends that you draw from or a small group of friends that you focus on, Friendships matter. And so today I want to speak to the validity of friendship and actually just speak some words of advice that I believe will make friendships better. And there's not one of us who could say, I, I've maxed out and I have all of the friendships I'll ever want, plus they're as good as I ever want them to be. No, no, we need to get better at friendship. If our relationships get better, our life gets better. In fact, it, it puts it this way in the Bible. In Romans chapter 15, why don't you turn there really quickly before we get into the Proverbs. Romans chapter 15 and verse 5, it speaks of uh, the type of unity that God desires for us. Look at this. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement also give us the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful unity? The thought that together with the community that we're a part of, together with our group of friends, that we could have the same type of thoughts, that we could have the same type of words. Now, this is not about uniformity. It's actually about unity. It's not about having like drone type mentality where I don't have any individual thoughts for myself. I just group think. No, no, it means this, that that we could submit where our opinions differ. We could submit to the whole and say, yeah, we have some different preferences, but unity matters so much that I won't sacrifice relationship just to find a group of people who already thinks the way I think. I'm going to lay down my preferences in order to be 
a part of the whole. Let's build better friendships so that our collective voice, the, the, the things that we're speaking as a church, the things that we're speaking as groups of friends would actually be glorifying God. And, and on friendship, in fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus put it this way. He said to his disciples, I don't call you my servants. I call you my friends. A servant has no idea what their master is thinking, but a friend understands the heart of their friend. Do you know that Jesus actually sees you and I as his friends? We have to get better at friendship. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down if you could. As a friend, I just got to say. As a friend, I just got to say. Can you, can you write that down? That's the title of today's message. As a friend, I just got to say. As your friend, I just want to speak a few words of advice. In fact, the Proverbs that you'll find in, in chapter 27, whenever I read them, I just see this list of miscellaneous maxims that are like, hey, speaking to you as a friend, I just got to say this. As your friend, isn't it funny the, the way people say that? Like like you're, a stranger would never say to you, as a friend, I just got to say, you got something in your teeth. Because a stranger doesn't really care about you. And as your truest, deepest friends, they don't even need to clarify that they're saying this as a friend because they're so close in relationship to you that you know they're your friend. And so you're like, well, of course you would tell me because you love me. But then there's that that in-between point where someone has to give you the clarification. Hey, just as a friend, can I give you a hard, hard word of advice? And so maybe today you're like, you're a total stranger. Well, I, I'm just not satisfied with being uh, anything but friends. So as a friend, can I, can I give you some advice? Maybe for some of you, we're already that close. You're like, of course you can dig in and let's, let's get honest here. But I'm going to give you what I believe will be really helpful tips. And if we put these into practice, I'm telling you, it's going to improve our relationships. I'm going to go through this uh, pretty quickly here. Proverbs chapter 27. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me. If not, uh, you can go and open that magazine you have from our team. It's got it all in there. Or you can look in the chat. We'll include these. Proverbs chapter 27, starting at verse 2. It says this, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. Let an outsider and not your own lips. First thought on how to improve your friendships, first thought on improving the relationships in your life is avoid self-praise. Don't be that person in a group of friends that has to make sure everyone knows that you're the greatest, that you're the best, that you're the smartest, that you're the most educated, that you have the most experience, that, that you're somehow the top. Why not let it be that someone else points out your strengths? In every group of friends, there is that one person who has to have the last word, who has to have the best story, who has to have the the, the one-upsmanship. And if your group of friends doesn't have that friend, you might be that friend. Because I think every group of friends might have it. But but it's better for us if we can sit back a little bit on self-praise and let someone else remind us of our strengths. Haven't you found that to be true? That if you can just sit back for a little bit and someone else points out to you, hey, here's what I see in you. Here's something that I noticed that you do well. Here's something that, that, that is significant to the world around you that you alone do. You are the greatest. You're the best. There's nothing else like the affirmation that comes when someone else points out your strengths instead of you having to, to make sure that everyone sees them. You notice this all the time in, in kids. If you've ever spent time with a, a group of kids, one is praised for something only for another to come and say, well, do I do that good too? Or I can do it better. It's amazing. You, you praise a six-year-old for their skill and an eight-year-old comes up and says, well, what about me? I can do that even better. And you're like, well, yeah, you're eight. 
You praise a, a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old comes and says, well, I'm, I'm a better drawer than that 10-year-old. I'm a better artist. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Of course you are because you're old. But this person is receiving praise right now. Let's not be those people who have to praise ourselves. Instead, what if our group of friends, what if our friend circle, what if our community was one where life-giving words of affirmation were unnormal? Where we didn't feel like we have to promote self, but other people are pointing out and looking to us and saying, hey, you got to hear from this person because they are the group's expert on this. That's one little tip that's going to make your friendships better. Number two, second one, is that your junk and my junk actually affects the people around us. The things that we're struggling with actually have an effect on the people around us. Look at what verse 4 of Proverbs 27 says right here. It says, anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? It's the truth. The things that we're working with, if we've got an anger issue, people are going to feel it. If we've got this, this fury issue, people are going to feel it. It's overwhelming. Oh, and if we are struggling with jealousy, it's hard for anyone else to stand under that. Now, now here's what I'm not saying. Don't hide the things you struggle with. But understand that you're not an island. You need to understand that your life is not so detached from and so independent from the friends around you that you can struggle with your thing and it should have no effect on them. When you do things, it hurts people. When you're struggling with things, they feel it. The, the weight, the burden that you carry ends up being this collective burden that we all carry. And the same is true for me. And, and, and simply, I need to recognize that when I take ownership over the things I need to work on, it will actually improve the quality of relationship for all of us. And so just know that the junk you're dealing with affects other people. And don't let it make you, you hide it. All these other things, you're going to show how valuable it is. All these other maxims will show you just how valuable it is that you don't hide those things. But just understand that the weight of them is something that we collectively feel. Does that make sense? I'm going to just keep hitting you rapid fire here. These are little points. And my prayer, my belief, even as we pray that there would be revelation, there would be at least one of these things that would just be highlighted in your spirit where you'd say, ooh, that one's for me. I'm going to begin to put that into practice. Ready? Here we go. Number three. The third point uh, is in verse five. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. I want to challenge you. Can we be over the top, unbelievably, re- ridiculously open? Now look, I... I'm not talking about this, that you have no boundaries in your relationship, that we all talk about everything, that there's nothing hidden, there's nothing secret, there's no, there, there's, there's nothing that we would have that's a, an issue of privacy. I'm not speaking to that. But it's saying this, that openness is so much better than hiddenness, that even if your openness brings pain, I would rather the pain than you hide love. Isn't that wild? That's how much better openness is. Now, Maybe you've been that person who struggles. You get too open too fast. Maybe you've been that person who struggles that, man, I've only been friends for five years. I don't know if I can begin to open myself up because of some past hurts. All those things are legit. All those things are real. I understand the, the pressure there. But let's make openness our goal. Let's make openness our aim. Let's make it the thing that we are pushing for. And here's one of the ways you can do it. In your friend circle, when people are open with you, instead of making a big deal about it, instead of poking fun at it, instead of pointing out flaws and maybe putting them on blast, why not praise them for their willingness 
to be open. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says that, that love rejoices with truth. So when someone is open enough with you to speak truth, why not start by rejoicing with them? It will foster the type of relationship that instead of living in hiding, we're living in openness. That's going to help. For someone, that was your revelation. That was your moment. And, and everything else I'm going to say is going to seem almost like background noise because you're like, that is the thing that I need to begin to put into practice. And so, friend, do it. Like, put that into practice. Begin to apply it in your life. Okay, ready? Here we go. Fourth one. Fourth one. I told you they're going to come rapid fire. Check this out. Verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I want to give my closest friends permission to wound me. I want to give them that type of permission. You have a green light. If you need to wound me, help me heal. You see, here's the thing. Like a doctor will use a scalpel to to bring healing. A friend who can use open, honest, truth communication, it's like a scalpel. It cuts, yes, but that cut actually leads to healing. On the flip side, sometimes we say like, oh, do you want me to kiss it better? Right? You're, you're hurting. Oh, you need a little kiss. Only an enemy will, will come along and kiss a profound wound. Imagine coming across a, you know, a car accident and there's just carnage and, and, and people are in desperate need and you're like, oh, need me to kiss it better? No, no, I need a doctor. I need someone who cares enough me about me and has enough precision to come in and cut what needs to be cut so healing can take place. I don't want to be a friend who's just multiplying kisses. The, the fact is a enemy does not care enough about you to say the hard things that you need to hear. Because they don't care whether you truly heal. All they want to do is make you feel better for a moment. So I want to give my friends this type of liberty in my life. This type of permission in my life. You have the right to wound me if you need to. I like Oscar Wilde who said this, that a a true friend will stab you in the front. Isn't that a good saying? They're not stabbing you in the back. They'll just come right up and stab you in the front. And they will wound you for a moment, but that wound will lead to healing. Now, I don't want to be the friend who's just running around with a pair of scissors. I don't want to be running around with a scalpel. Like, like, be precise. The Bible says that we, yes, speak truth, but we only ever speak the truth in love. It's like a doctor. Imagine running into surgery unprepared and, 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 you know, no sleep and, and no proper PPE and no proper training or cleaning. That's not a doctor. That's just a reckless person. So I don't want to be a friend who's like, well, I just say it like it is. You know, if it hurts you, that's on you. No, no, no. If I've been given the permission, I will speak the truth in love, but with a heart to heal. Can we be those friends? And then the question for all of this should not only be, can I make those friends? Can I make the wise decisions to build those friendships? But can I be a wise decision for someone else? And I think it's on both sides here. I want to pick good friends. I want to be wise enough to pick the right group of friends. But I also want to be the wise choice for someone else. So let's put this into practice. Let's let it be revelation to our life. And if we heed it, we will be blessed by it. Ready? Here's number five. I told you, rapid fire. Here we go. Verse 9, it says this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. What a great thought. 
It, it, it's this comparison that's being made. This, this, uh, poetic kind of pictorial, you know, beautiful type of picture. And, and it's, it's using a different sense. I love that. It's using scent. Saying like, you know, when someone walks in a room and you're like, Oh wow, you smell amazing. So like a friend has that ability. And, and the thing that will bring pleasantness to your life is actually their heartfelt advice. So interesting. Like a friend who doesn't just say, in my opinion, you should do this, but actually allows their heart to inform the advice that they give. I want to choose that friend and I want to be that friend. Are you with me? I want those people in my life and I want to be that person for someone else. Now, heartfelt advice is not just knowing all the answers. Heartfelt advice is not just having everything worked out. Heartfelt advice is not about rushing past what they're saying so you can get out your really good, tweetable, hashtagable piece of advice that just changes everything. And heartfelt advice is not one-size-fits-all, cure-all type advice. Heartfelt advice is listening. Heartfelt advice is maybe asking a few questions before you come up with conclusions. I've heard someone say this, before you, you give some advice, ask 21 questions. Why? Because there's one more than 20. Like, like, just be the person who asks enough questions to really test your first go-to thought. Instead of just giving your generic throw-out advice, actually be heartfelt. I want to pick wise friends who will do that for me, and I certainly want to be a wise choice for someone else, because if we can be unified, our heart and our mouth actually proclaims Jesus. It actually glorifies God in this city. If we can be unified, oh my goodness, the power that comes in that unity. And if we can understand that Jesus is the greatest friend, and like he says in John 15, we're invited to be his friends and to learn from his model of friendship. Is this helpful? You good? We're five in. I'm going to give you five more. And, and, and these next five are actually going to be faster than the first five. Okay, here you go. I hope you're taking notes. And, and again, if you've already got that little piece of revelation for you today, you start thinking about how am I going to put it into practice while I talk to everyone else. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 27. Uh, we're going to go down to, uh, to verse 10. This is a great one. Check it out. It says this, don't forsake your friend or the friend of your family. And don't go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Instead, it's better to have a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I want to speak real straight to you. If you live in the city you live in right now, which is true of all of us, you live where you live, God's called you there for a reason, and part of being there is being there. If you're in Vancouver right now, guess what? God called you here, and part of being here is being here. It's building some friends here. Now, this means instead of only relying on the deep, long-term, lifelong friendships that are fostered through, we went to school together in elementary school, or we grew up on the same cul-de-sac, or it's my cousin, it's my sister, it's my brother, it's my mom, it's my dad. Instead of always relying on what's past, we need to be relevant and present with the fostering of good, healthy relationships. That means right where you are, begin to build relationships. You say, but I'm only here for a year. I'm just on a short-term visa. 
It's only while I finish my degree. It's only for this small portion of, of life that is my job. It's just for this little stint. It's just for this little season. I'm just living in an adventure. I'm just backpacking. I'll, I'll get back to the real world and my real life later. The Bible is saying here, it's better for us to begin to build friendships exactly where we are than just rely on someone that's distant. I know that's hard, hard teaching for some people. You say, I've had that friendship for 18 years. How can anything right now compare to that? Well, I think the Bible is also implying that you don't have to spend the same amount of time or have the same deepness of connection that you've had in the past. It's not throwing those away. It's just saying there's something better about building something close and building something here than just relying on something that's there. For someone, that's just really hard. It's, it's really painful. I'm just saying it as a friend. Like as your friend, I got to say, it's better for you. It's good for you. Begin to grow in some friendships right now. Don't let your best friend from elementary school be the only true friend you ever build. Start exactly where you are. Start right now. Here we go. Number six, Proverbs 27. Go down to verse 14. Really simple. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Isn't that awesome? If you don't understand the emotional complexity of the people around you, you will actually miscommunicate often. You say, well, I didn't mean it that way. What I said was meant to be taken as a blessing. But if it's not on their timeline and not in the way they hear it, it'll just be taken as a curse. So we need to become more emotionally sensitive to the needs of people around us. If they just need to be sleeping right now, you smashing together pots and pans to tell them how awesome they are actually feels like a curse. And maybe this relates to you. You say, I've experienced this where I was trying to say something positive and it just wasn't taken that way. What is their problem? Well, miscommunication is not just their problem. It's also my problem. When what I'm intending to say is not heard as the way I intended it to be heard, that's not just the hearer's fault, that's my fault. And if we're really truly friends, we need to find that common ground together. So just understand that there's an emotional complexity to the people in your friend group that might be different than the one that you have. There might might be a different way of seeing and interacting with the world around you. And make it your goal to communicate on their terms in a way that makes sense to them so that the true impact of the words you're trying to say are heard the way you're trying to say it. So that when you speak blessing, it's received as blessing and not curse. Now that's just this interesting kind of picture. But if this was revelation for you, it immediately applied to something in your life. So go put it into practice. Verse 17, here we go. It says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I think this is one of the most striking and and sharp, if you will, pictures in the Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. Now this is true only in the case of constant contact. Let me show you. Okay. I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of swords here. Now for some of you, this just got scary. For others of you, you're like, I'm glad we're online. So we're not too close to the front row here, but check this out. I've got two blades and they're both different, which is true of every friendship you'll ever have. By the way, you will be uniquely different. You'll have kind of a different edge, a different way of seeing these things and a different need for sharpness. But iron has the ability to sharpen iron only in the case of constant, ongoing, careful connection. If, if these two blades only ever touch each other in sharp confrontations, 
Iron actually will damage iron. Iron actually will make iron more dull. And it could be in your friendships that the only time you ever really get, truly get honest is when you feel the need to call each other out. Can I just call out, call out culture? Like if we're going to cancel some culture, can we cancel call out culture? Well, we don't really have close enough personal interconnectivity with someone to actually bring them sharpness. So instead we're like, hey, just had to say it. As your friend, gotta say. And you're like, what you said actually hurt me. You're like, yeah, wounds of a friend. You're like, no, 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 no. It just felt like being cut. You just cut me down. You know how, how iron can sharpen iron? It's if there's constant contact and careful, ongoing, meticulous adjustments. Not just saying, well, this is what is good for me. And if it's good for me, I'm getting what I need out of this friendship. Well, it's not just about you. It is, I desire not only to get what I need out of this friendship, but for the other person to get what they need out of it too. So we're going to need constant, meticulous adjustments to be made so that what used to work as that blade gets sharper is going to need some more adjustments. Is that helpful? I hope it's helpful. Let's call out, call out culture. Come on. Let's actually have the care to be in it for the long haul so that when there is a little inconsistency, we go, wait a minute, that shouldn't be there. I'm going to keep on with just a little bit of friction, by the way. I'm going to keep on having the type of relationship where I'm getting better and they're getting better. Some people, you say, all my friendships, it just feels like there's a little bit of friction. It's true. It's, it's, it's part of the sharpening process. But instead of calling out and damaging each other, let's be in constant contact. I'm going to give you two more in the next two minutes. Are you ready? Number nine. It says this, verse 21. The crucible is for silver. The furnace is for gold. But people are tested by their praise. I love that picture. The thing that will test you most in life is not restriction. The thing that will test you most in life is not, uh, you know, the, the pressures you feel or the obligations you feel. The thing that will actually test you the most in life that will prove who you really are is how you handle praise. Interesting thought. You see, some of us, as soon as we receive praise, we stop trying. As soon as we receive praise, we just stop caring. As soon as we receive praise, we let it get to our head. I've heard it said, and I think it's good teaching you. You're really not as great as your fans think you are, and you're not as bad as your haters think you are either. That's why you need good people in your life who are honest with you. But we will be tested by the praise we receive. We can all just find friendships that make us feel good about ourselves, but I want to build friendships that actually make me good. Are you with me? I want to be that friend. I also want to choose that friend. You say, well, the group of friends I'm in right now is not that group. Why not you start leading the way? Start being that friend for others so that we can actually help each other get better. And then this last one, number 10. These are all miscellaneous little maxims about friendship. If we put them into practice, it makes us better. Uh, verse 23, it says this. Be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Be careful to give attention to your herds. Interesting picture given, of course, to a shepherd or a farmer. But I want to put it this way. I believe that you and I should be tending to our friendships, tending to the, the, the friend circle in our life. In fact, the, the word for shepherd is the same word given for pastor. That's what a pastor is. It's one who cares carefully for the needs of the people in their life. 
Now you might say, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm an accountant. I'm not a pastor. I'm a student, not a pastor. I like, I, I'm, a, I'm in, in trades. I'm not a pastor. But why not take a pastoral role in your friend group and say, I want to truly care for the people in my life. I want to see them, not looking down on them, but as a, as a means to serve them. The best way you can do that is to know the condition of the people in your life. So let's start having the type of friendships that get open and honest, up close and personal, and, and, and are okay to be asked, how are you doing? And maybe dig a little bit deeper than good. But did, like, but how are you really doing? Like, what are some of the things right now that you're facing? What are some of the things right now that are causing some tension? What's the pressure point in your life? I want to know the condition of your heart so I can help you, cheer you on, not call you out, but call you up to something great. I want to choose wisely the friends in my life, and I also want to be the wise choice for the people in my life. As your friend, I just got to say, these are things we can do to get better. You say, I'm so isolated right now, but but we still make choices about how we interconnect relationally, so let's make great choices. And as your pastor, I really want to know the condition of this flock. I want to know the the place that you're at. The, The greatest gift that you can give me and our team of leaders right now is simply just taking a moment to reach out and let us know how you're doing. We love you. We're praying for you. We will defend you. We want to come alongside and serve you. But we need to know how you're doing. So let's all work on being better friends. Can we do that together? Can I pray for you today? Really simple teaching, really simple thoughts. But if they're revelation for you and you put them into practice, you're going to receive the blessing. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for my friends. I thank you that in that group of friends, Jesus, you are there. You call us your friends. And I pray that we would model well to the world what love looks like. That we'd be the type of friends who are are caring enough to speak the truth in love. The type of friends who are caring enough to have constant contact and get better and get sharper and get stronger. I pray wherever we're at that we would build and develop friendships right here and now. And help us, Lord. We're your flock. You're the shepherd. We're the sheep. And you've asked us to care the way that you care. And so help us to be honest with how we're doing And to be attentive and careful with the people in our lives, how they're doing, so we can help one another be stronger and better. I pray that friendships would grow and flourish in this time. Not fall back, not shrink back, not get weaker, but grow stronger. We ask this in your name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.